0: So why is legalism such a problem? You have to realize that legalism does not mean the setting of spiritual standards. Legalism means worshipping those standards and thinking we are spiritual because we obey those standards. Now when you worship a set of standards and think that you are spiritual because you obey them, the normal outgrowth of that position is judgment against people who do not keep your standards.
1: If you want to live legalistically, then you're acting like Ishmael, the son of a woman in bondage. When he said this, Paul was making the point that when you choose to live under laws, instead of the Spirit, you're living in the flesh. Pastor Daniel will speak about how legalism is alive and well in Christianity today and explore what that looks like in the contemporary church. What we do won't make God love us because He already does. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Jesus is Greater Than the Law. Jesus is real.
0: We are created anew in Jesus to be people of God's Word. And God's Word transforms us. It's like a laser that does heart surgery. It can discern down to to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Only God's word does that. And listen, don't be content with somebody else's version of it. Read God's word yourself and think about it and pray on it and let the Holy Spirit, who if you're here today and you're born again, dwells inside you, let the Holy Spirit give you revelation on it. See, for the Apostle Paul, he grew up in Judaism. He was very well educated, being apprenticed by a man named Gamaliel. But what's amazing is, is that it wasn't until Paul came to know Jesus that he ever interpreted the sons of Abraham the way he's going to do it right now. He would never have said that law-keeping is Ishmael and faith in Jesus is Isaac. That is brand new for a very learned man. He had never even contemplated that. But now, because of Jesus and the finished work, now he's finding it in the book. And he's saying, wow. Brothers, sisters, be sons and daughters of the word of God. Say, what does the word say? See, you know what I love about God's word? It hems us in. God's word keeps us on a short leash. I don't know how many times, and, and the beauty of memorizing scripture is that you catch yourself all the time. You start getting grumbly in your spirit. Oh, I can't believe I gotta do that, and I can't believe I gotta mow the lawn, and oh, why did they make a mess? And then you hear God's word say, do all things without grumbling and complaining. You're like, oh. And then at that moment, then you decide, are you gonna follow God, or are you gonna get in the flesh, Right? Love your enemy, oh, because you're like, oh, man, this is just unbelievable. We need to be people of the book, and we need to dwell deeply on it, and you need to say, God, I want my life to be conformed to your word. And when we're in God's word, God does something in our hearts. He does something in our lives. And Paul is like, look, you guys want to be under the law? Are you even hearing what it says? He had already told him. He said, listen, if you want to put yourself under the law, you've got to keep all of it. All of it. He said, you're not even hearing it. He's like, but let me give you another example. Since we're going to find it in the word, let's look at Abraham's two children. Now notice what he says in verse 22. He says, that Abraham had two sons, the one of a bondwoman, the other of a free woman, verse 23, but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he who was of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. Now, where do you find this? Genesis 16, 18, and 21. Those three chapters tells about Abraham and his two sons, The first son, Ishmael. The second son, Isaac. Really, it's in that whole section, but specifically, 16, 18, and 21 give you the details. I'm going to explain it to you. And it's pretty relevant for us. So God called Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to make a brand new nation out of you. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham's like, sounds like a plan, Lord. Sounds good, right? God says, look, I want to use you, and I want to bless the world through you. I'm going to make a great nation from your name. You'd be like, yeah. It's not the worst thing to hear from God, amen? Amen. So he goes on out. But guess what? Abraham's older, and Sarah's older, and they've never had any kids. Sarah's barren, which means she had never had a child. But God had made a promise. So what do normal people do when God makes a promise and God delays in his answering of that promise? What do we do? We help God out. Because God can't accomplish anything without our help. Am I the only one who, who, yeah, you guys too, I know it. I know. See, God's timing is perfect, but it's never our timing. Has anybody in here ever had God show up on your timetable? Anybody? No hands? Praise God, I don't want everyone to be suffering from envy for the one person at one time. See, God's timing is perfect, but Abraham and Sarah, God made a promise, and listen, they weren't getting any younger. I mean, you got to think that Abraham and Sarah, they would have been like the patriarch and matriarch of next step. <laughs> Pastor Bill would be like, oh, and Abraham would be like, sonny, let me tell you what it was like when I was young. You know, it's like they were older, and, and, and they had never had a child, and this was long before the day and age of viagra in vitro fertilization i mean they were well past the age of childbearing by any standard i love it my grandfather anthony he's 91 years old he's so fun he's spunky as all get out and every once in a while i will be like oh yeah i'm getting old i'll be like well you ain't as old as abraham and he had a baby at that age and he'll be like well good for him I thought he, good for him i'm like well we're gonna send the baby over to your house have fun with her <laughs> so what did they do they, they had a plan because you know what? if god's delaying his timing god needs a little help to get the thing done right and so they're like okay so I was like i got a plan okay abraham check it out maybe you shouldn't call him Abe. You should probably call him abe or something abes abes you know hey abes i got a plan okay this is what we're gonna do you know hagar Hagar's her maidservant. Now, back in the day, a maidservant was a servant girl, and the mistress was the woman of the house. Now, mistress means something different today. So you women of the house, don't call yourselves mistresses. That means a whole other thing, bad, no good, doesn't honor Jesus. Okay, but back in the day, she's like, she's like listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you Hagar, my maidservant, and she's going to be your bride. And you can conceive a son with Hagar. And in that culture, when a, the mistress of the house, the matriarch of the home, were to give her maidservant to the patriarch of the home, the firstborn child was considered the offspring of the matriarchs, not the maidservant. So Sarah's like, I got plan, that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you Hagar. And Abraham's like, sounds good. Total guy, you know, sinner. You know? And so he's like, okay, sounds good. And so sure enough, Hagar becomes his wife, they have a baby, and out pops Ishmael. Right? And that, my friends, is what happens when we try and help God. We end up with an Ishmael. Because what we're finding out here is that Abraham had two sons, and one was the son of promise according to God's grace and spirit, and the other one is the work of the flesh. So if you're here today and you are frustrated that God's perfect timing is not in accordance with your calendar, stop and trust God, because if you don't, you will seek to help God, and then you will end up with an Ishmael, and the problem with an Ishmael is that if you follow everything, Ishmael became the father of the Arab nations, and then along with the other son who wasn't chosen, Esau, the Arab-Israeli conflict has its roots right here, and also the Arab-Western conflict has its roots right here as well, because Abraham and Sarah thought that God needed their help. This is something that has global ramifications now. So listen, don't help God out. Trust Him and wait. I think of that verse in the Psalms where it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I place my trust. Don't help God out. You'll get him Ishmael. And that's exactly what happens. He says, look, there's two children of Abraham. One, we find out, was born of the bond woman, Hagar, was born according to the flesh. Then the other of the free woman, through promise. So we have two sons. And I'm gonna break it down for you. I'm gonna explain it to you. So the first son we get it this way: Hagar equals Ishmael equals Mount Sinai equals Jerusalem equals the law. Isn't that a wouldn't you hate to see that on the SATs? It's like what? I'm gonna explain it to you. Hagar equals Ishmael equals Mount Sinai equals Jerusalem, equals the law. I'll read it to you. You'll see where it comes from. Verse 23. But he who is of the bond woman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with her children wow so what it says is listen Hagar was a servant girl she was a bondwoman, right she gives birth to Ishmael which we find out is a work of the flesh them working to help God out Ishmael now corresponds to Mount Sinai isn't that what he says in there Sinai in Arabia That reminds us of Exodus chapter 19 and 20, where God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, it says Sinai in Arabia. Now, I realize for all of us, when you hear Arabia, you think Saudi Arabia, you think the smack dab in the middle of the Middle East. But the boundary markers were different in that day and age. So it's not that Mount Sinai exists in modern-day Saudi Arabia, in the region of Arabia as it existed thousands of years ago. So it equals... Mount Sinai, where the law was given, and then Paul links it to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. See, the law given at Sinai now has, in Paul's day, has its base of operations in Jerusalem, which includes the Judaizers who are coming through Galatia. See... Paul's making a distinction now that if you want to live legalistically, then you are acting like Ishmael, the son of a woman in bondage, which is related to the law of Moses given on Mount Sinai, which is related to Jerusalem in his day, which is the law. That's a pretty powerful argument, isn't it? Now, someone is bound to say, so why is legalism such a problem? You have to realize that legalism does not mean the setting of spiritual standards. Legalism means worshiping those standards and thinking we are spiritual because we obey those standards. Now, when you worship a set of standards and think that you are spiritual because you obey them, the normal outgrowth of that position Is judgment against people who do not keep your standards. You can always tell when someone's got a legalistic streak because anybody who does not live up to their standards that they have elevated to worship is always condemned in their heart and pushed away. That is not the work of the spirit, that is the work of the flesh. Because the flesh divides and grace brings back together. Now, it's really easy to think, oh man, the churches in Galatia, those churches were so jacked up. But guess what? Legalism is alive and well in 21st century American Christianity, isn't it? Many of us in this room, you love Jesus, but you still have this standard that you acquired being socialized in church. That you're like, man, if you don't live up to that standard, then it's just not okay. And man, God will never love you and forgive you. And we can't say it, but we have that. And that's exactly the issue that the churches in Galatia had. They were acting like Ishmael because it was not the work of promise, the work of the spirit. Instead, it was the work of the flesh that we believe that God accepts us Because we do these things right and because we do them right, God really loves us. And because I read my Bible every day last week, I'm really spiritual. Don't get me wrong. Reading your Bible is good, except when you're trying to read your Bible to make God love you. But everything we do is not motivated by, I do this so God will love me. Everything we do is motivated by the fact that God already loves me. And I do these things because I am the beloved not so that I become the beloved. And that is the crux of the argument. And just as Abraham has two sons, guess what? We have two sets of offspring as well. We have a legalistic version of fruit from our lives. And we have a spirit-filled, promise-laden version. Now, Paul says something totally interesting here, because notice that he says... Jerusalem, which now is, and it is in bondage with her children, verse 26. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. See, Paul is going to differentiate between the earthly Jerusalem, which is the center of Judaism, and the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, which we're going to see in a second, which is the mother of us all. And then Paul quotes a verse. And this verse that he quotes is from Isaiah chapter 54. He says, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now, I don't know about you, when you read that, that's a really crazy, it's crazy talk. Because I've walked through with many families where maybe a husband and a wife come together and they're unable to conceive a child and all of the sadness that comes with that and all the prayers and all the struggles that come along with that. But then you read this verse, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. Now I realize that nobody, everybody's happy that they're not in labor. But the idea is is that break forth and shout when you are unable to conceive. Why? For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. The person who's barren has many more children than the person who can conceive children? What? What does this mean? See, think about what he's saying. Now, in context, Isaiah 54 actually speaks about the children of Israel returning from Babylonian exile. And really what he's saying is that The first generation, they went to Babylonian exile, but they're going to come back, and although they were desolate, they're going to be more fruitful. So now Paul is looping in pre-exilic Judaism and post-exilic Judaism. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. It's just a side point. But what's the difference between the Judaism before the Babylonian exile and the Judaism after the Babylonian exile? What's the difference? In post-exilic Judaism, the latter glory was greater than the former glory because Jesus came. The fulfillment of all God's promises in the second temple was greater than the more glorious first temple designed by David built by Solomon because the Messiah came to be the fulfillment of it and Paul's saying look it's the same idea the reason you could rejoice if you are barren is because although you are barren for a season the Messiah is going to come and his fulfillment is going to be more fruitful than having children in your own time period you he saying he's saying listen Sarah was barren Hagar was fertile but the descendants of Sarah, infinitely, infinitely more fruitful. The work of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is way more fruitful than the works and the attempts of the work of the flesh. And Paul's going to develop this idea for us in chapter 5 and 6 in a really profound way, where we see these two things broken out, the works of the Spirit and the, or the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. So the first son, Ishmael, from a mother who was a slave, corresponding to the law given at Sinai, corresponding to Jerusalem. But look at the other son. i got another equation for you. Sarah equals Isaac equals Calvary equals spirit equals promise. Isn't this fun? My friends, this is the new covenant right here. Look at how it breaks down. It's beautiful. Unlike Hagar, who was a servant girl, now we have Sarah, who was the bride of Abraham's youth. We have Isaac, who is the son of promise. Listen to what it says. Verse 28 of Galatians 4. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Wow. Wow. See, so Sarah is Abraham's wife. Isaac is the promised son. Now, this corresponds with Calvary. Now, why do I use Calvary and not the heavenly Jerusalem? You know why? This is important. Our entrance into the new Jerusalem is all about what God accomplished at Calvary. The cross, see they call it Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull, that place where Jesus died, that is the entrance to the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, our eternal abode. That is why the cross stands at the centerpiece of biblical Christianity. And I get real nervous today because I have friends who grew up in the church, they love God's word, but they kind of don't love talking about the cross, It's like, oh, I feel uncomfortable with it because it's like divine child abuse. And no, listen, that is where the action is at the cross, which gives way to an empty tomb. That's why the apostle Paul said, I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul realized that the action is at the cross, which gives way to an empty tomb. All of our hopes and dreams of all of humanity is right there. And I'll be honest with you. I love preaching the cross. I love preaching the empty tomb. Why? Because it says, Daniel, you can't do anything better than what I've already done. It says, I've taken care of it. Now listen. Amy Carmichael, that great missionary, she wrote this little book called If. Great little book. On each page, there's one sentence. It's an if-then sentence. Powerful and in that book if there's one sentence that i'll never forget i remember when i first read it, i was totally taken back by it it says if i love any place except the dust at the foot of jesus's cross then i know nothing of calvary love she's like look the actions at the cross and if i find my home anywhere except where love and justice meets where god took my sin and my shame upon his own son that i might take on his righteousness and a new life if i love any place but there then i don't even understand what went on there brothers and sisters we need to find ourselves in calvary where jesus died for great love and he rose again to free us Jesus is Real.
1: Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy but first here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks Josh. Honestly it's a book I
0: wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean we all know it life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next, but honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff. And I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus. And I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information.
1: Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, you'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus Is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.
0: not typical journey walk on a narrow trail.